Ava Hartling. Welcome to The Brand is Female. I created this podcast so that powerful women would share their journey to unlocking their own potential, to empower others, and to inspire change. If you like the show, as always, please subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review on the podcast app of your choice. This week, my guest is Emily Ramshaw, Canadian lead for Bumble, the online dating and networking app. Emily has had an impressive track record in publishing, going from an internship at Flair magazine in Toronto and eventually moving to New York to join the all-star team at The Coverture. Today, Emily's passionate about spreading Bumble's message of ending misogyny and promoting a safe space for women online. Emily and I chatted about her professional journey, the complexity of the online world and social media, and its impact on today's society, especially for younger women, and the role that a platform like Bumble can play in changing gender dynamics and promoting equality. We also chatted about leadership, feminism, and finding balance in our lives. My conversation with Emily was recorded at home, the Brennis Female's favorite meditation and wellness space in downtown Toronto. Visit home.com, H-O-A-M-E, to find out about their fantastic meditation workshops, Salt Cave, and more. My name is Emily Ramshaw, and I am the country lead for Bumble in Canada. You have a super exciting role at, within Bumble. I think it's fantastic that they created this position and having somebody representing the brand uh, in Canada, and Bumble's doing a lot of exciting things. But before we get into that, I want to go back to the beginning, to young Emily growing up. Um, what were your dreams and aspirations and what was your childhood like? I grew up in Toronto. Um, I There wasn't one thing that I wanted to do my whole kind of childhood. It changed often based on very many influences including my family and what I was interested in at any given time as any kid does. Um, but at one point I kind of landed on writing and English literature it became like a focus of mine in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like many women of my generation I was heavily influenced by the fantasy of sex in the city. Oh yeah. Those were <laughs> and, the years. And Carrie and Carrie Bradshaw and that idea of living in New York and being a writer was very glamorous and mm-hmm. entrancing to me for mm-hmm. sure. Um, so, and I was obsessed with magazines and fashion from Mm -hmm. a pretty young age, like collected. I have the same Vogue subscription that I've had since I was 13 or something. It's amazing. So all of those things kind of came together. I was from a pretty traditional family in that they, it was important that I like went to a good school, university, and that was seen through kind of the view of like getting a traditional degree, maybe going to law school, those mm. types of things. Right. Um, I ended up getting a liberal arts degree at McGill and bailed on law school. <laughs> <laughs> Small change of plans. <laughs> and got an internship instead at Flair Magazine when I graduated. Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of a lightning strike moment for me in that it wasn't something I expected to have the opportunity to do, not mm-hmm. having had a traditional background in fashion or right. any kind of like education in that, but it allowed me essentially entrance and like visibility into a world that I had always kind of like dreamed about. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the beginning of what became my career. Mm-hmm. And Flair back in the day was really kind of the leading fashion magazine in Canada 
It was really exciting to be Lisa Tan was yeah. at the helm, and it was. I mean, that was a reference. It was over. It was you know our our own Vogue. Yeah. basically. it was really exciting to be there. I was started as an intern in the fashion closet, which is like exactly <laughs> what you imagine like a traditional <laughs> magazine internship to be. But I was really lucky in that a lot of the editors there. Um, I, I kind of like endeared myself to them. I stuck around for a while mm-hmm. and worked really hard and showed myself to be a hard worker and I think a good worker. Um, I assisted the fashion news editor at the time, Moshe, who mm-hmm. I know you know. Yeah, she was just on the podcast. And um, I also assisted Liz Cabral, who mm-hmm. was the fashion director at the time. So they were both really, really good to me and mm-hmm. still are great to me. Um and when the kind of like change of guard happened there, I had been kind of in their face long enough that Liz hired me to replace essentially Moshe's mm. empty job as fashion news editor. I was an assistant fashion news editor because I was literally like 22 and had mm-hmm. no idea what I was doing, but <laughs> they took the chance, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. And it was essentially like being thrown into the fire of fashion magazine world and learning on my feet for a year and a half of like intensive fashion industry publishing industry Mm -hmm. learning which was amazing it was an incredible experience chaotic but incredible right yeah and at that time so you mentioned a couple of editors and Mm -hmm. uh, you know Liz Moshe who you worked with but did you have role models who inspired you and obviously the women from Sex in the City but um, (laughs) who was kind of influential or you know a, a woman who's career whose path you admired I mean all of those women at Flair I have to say in those days were really inspiring I think um something that uh, people think of fashion from the outside is that people are uh necessarily kind of superficial Mm -hmm. or it's not feminist or it's Mm -hmm. not intellectual yeah or it can be catty I've never found that to be the case Mm -hmm. so many of the women that I've encountered are are like incredibly smart passionate and driven ambitious women Mm -hmm. who are and because it's a one of the very few female dominated industries especially in publishing Mm -hmm. um it's not something where there's limited seats at the table and yeah. women help each other. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I've always found that to be the case. Mm-hmm. I, I, after Flair, I went on to Coveture, which was not only great because it was a great company, but also great because part of my job was interviewing all these like insiders mm-hmm. in the fashion industry. That's yeah. what Coveture was known for. Yeah. So I got this amazing insight talking to these women and men who had worked in the industry for a long time who mm. were literally iconic people um, and could tell me about their journeys. So that, like, as a nerd for the industry mm-hmm. was really exciting. And, yeah, I mean, when it comes to people who have, like, affected my career directly, like, Moshe and Liz are definitely two of those people. Mm-hmm. So are the people at Covetour, Steph and Jake. Mm-hmm. Um I would also say that there have been people who I've interviewed or interacted with once or twice who have come back into my career, and I think it's, like, one of the things, and we talk about this at Bumble a lot, but how you kind of um, build this network around yourself mm-hmm. as, your, as your experience grows. Mm-hmm. 
sometimes without even thinking about it. Yeah, just, just by happens being naturally. A mm. good person who works hard. Mm. Um, and that is the basis of like so many things that I've done in my career. Right. If you could go back to that time, is there something you'd be doing differently? Or if you could tell your 22-year-old self something, some some type of advice, what would it be? I think don't sweat the small stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's easy to get caught up in the little things. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, I think to have an eye on, especially when I was younger, um... To think about, I'm like a people pleaser by nature, mm-hmm. which I don't always think is a bad thing. I think it motivates yeah. me to work hard. Yeah. But I also think um, I could have been more thoughtful about what I could personally get out of mm. a experience and learn. Yeah. Um, how I could, you know, ask more questions and take more not take more greedily but take more intellectually from mm. an experience rather than just like trying to trying to be the please best and help them and, achieve yeah, whatever exactly. objectives it's exactly. thinking about your own personal yeah. objectives yeah mm-hmm. so I think that's, that's what I would say yeah mm. I still think about that now <laughs> <laughs> and in terms did you ever find I was having that conversation last night about women as leaders and you've obviously spent time in an industry that's women dominated, mm-hmm. one of the very few, mm-hmm. um, being you know the world of fashion mm-hmm. and fashion publishing, and I think it's it's more specific to publishing. Yeah, but, I agree. Um, would you have you noticed a difference, or would you be able to characterize female leadership as compared to male leadership? I don't know. I think it's difficult to say. I mean, I think there are traditional forms of fail, uh, male and female leadership, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. sure, um, and kind of like the gender norms and stereotypes that we project yeah. onto both genders. Um, I think the, mo- the model of traditional male leadership being like aggressive leaders yeah. who are kind of dominant and powerful is... Mm, not the only way anymore but I also think like there are a lot of great male leaders who are kind of the traditional female leadership which is like being a cheerleader and a supporter and a nurturer yeah yeah that those are really valuable traits Mm -hmm. I think um the important thing now and I think about this a lot as someone who also manages people now Mm -hmm. um is that you need to lean into whatever your strengths are as a leader Mm mm-hmm and if that is being a really powerful kind of like go-getter, um, dominating person, like that's okay. You're going to find a team who works well with that. Mm-hmm. But I am a kind of that traditional female leadership probably more so where I am a, someone who pushes from behind and mm-hmm. supports as much as possible um, and guides but doesn't necessarily like you know yeah it's just a bit isn't as dominant exactly and I think I think it's good to lean into whatever those strengths are like Mm -hmm. I am an emotional sensitive um thoughtful person Mm -hmm. and that can be really powerful Mm -hmm. and when it comes to leadership just as much as like the traditional forms Mm -hmm. yeah 
Um, I a recent guest on the show, uh, Julieta Dexter, who runs, who founded the communication store in the UK. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she actually said she one of her quotes was, "I bring my mom's skills to my job as a leader." And she said, women should not be ashamed of those 100%. qualities because being nurturing, you know, caring for employees, wanting to help them grow and develop is something that should be part of a leader's role. I but totally more often than not, as women, we're taught that, you know, we can be too sensitive in a workplace and it's more about being yeah. formal and kind of that more authoritative approach to leadership. I think people, I was actually talking about this last week with someone Um, I was on like a women in tech panel and we were talking about kind of the models of leadership and also like bringing your emotions to work Mm. and how people are like afraid of that. But that, I mean, we talk at Bumble a lot about like bringing your whole self to work in terms of there's so much that we can learn from ourselves and our own experiences in life. Yeah that can apply to work. Absolutely. And being a mom is one of those experiences and so valuable. Like I, the mothers that I know who are leaders and working are incredibly Mm -hmm. efficient and passionate and nurturing and all of those things. So I think using all of those emotions, which we think of are as bad, but really can be powerful and potent Mm -hmm. and important yeah and also men are emotional too well that's it because we talk about <laughs> traditional man yeah. but men can tap into their emo- emotional intelligence as well i think they've been taught not to yes but, but it's so valuable they have those qualities 100 mm-hmm. percent. and if if everyone's able to express themselves in like a professional manner then there's no issue with being emotional mm-hmm. in my opinion yeah <laughs> So you've spent time in publishing, coverture, and mm-hmm. then eventually you made the jump to Bumble. So let's talk about your role a little bit and how and how was that brought to you, that, uh, that amazing opportunity with Bumble? So I was, after coverture, I was living in New York and I came back to Toronto and really wanted to freelance mm-hmm. and ended up working a lot as a consultant for brands across industries brand consultant, content marketing, kind of like helping with giving a brand voice to a lot of companies. Mm -hmm. And I ended up being in touch with Bumble because I had written a lot about kind of feminist issues, women in the workplace issues at Coveture, and um, that had interested them for obvious reasons. And I was in touch with the team there, eventually helping them to find, like, agencies and stuff in Toronto, and then they came to me saying, we want to have someone full, like, working for us Mm -hmm. here in Canada, Um, and it kind of developed organically out of Mm -hmm. that, uh, which was really amazing. I think in large part happened not because I have a world of experience in marketing, which I obviously didn't, but because I was really passionate about the what the brand stood for, right. which is ending misogyny, creating a safe space for women on the internet. Mm-hmm. It was something that I could talk about very naturally and also feel passionate about spreading that message. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, in that sense, a really natural fit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and has been like an exciting experience to bring that messaging 
as far as I can in Canada. Into Canada. Yeah. And for listeners who are less familiar with Bumble, um, maybe share a little bit about Whitney's yeah. concept behind launching Bumble after having spent time at Tinder. Yeah. So Whitney Wolf Hurd is the CEO and founder of Bumble. Um, she's an incredible woman who was also a co-founder of Tinder, left after a sexual... or left and then filed a sexual harassment claim and was essentially long before Me Too Mm -hmm. and was bullied by the internet, like targeted Mm -hmm. um, awfully by the internet because of this. Um, And amazingly decided to turn this awful experience into an incredible company, was inspired essentially to create out of this experience, a safe space for women on the internet, mm-hmm. a place where women feel empowered and in control and where people are held accountable to their actions. So on Mumble, for example, there is no bullying. Mm-hmm. There is no hate speech. Um, you can block or ban people if you are uncomfortable or feel threatened. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I think that's like a really important part of making women and everyone because feel safe. Yeah. Um, so it was founded as a dating app in 2014. Um, dating being the kind of like most top of mind uh, relationship where misogyny is so prevalent and our kind of like antiquated gender norms of guys always having to ask women out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, that being the strongest. So Bumble really flips that on its head by making sure that in heterosexual encounters, women have to make the first move. Right, right. Um, and it just changes the dynamic of the mm-hmm. interaction from the very first step, yeah. which is powerful. And it just means, like, if you are if you can take the first, make the first move in asking a guy what his favorite... I don't know, dessert is, then you can do, <laughs> then you can do that in every other area of your life. It has a right. ripple effect. Yeah. And yeah, then taking control. Exactly. And it's, I mean, I think the great thing about Bumble is, okay, so maybe your idea of success is like finding the one. Maybe it's just going on a great date, mm-hmm. which is, like, totally fine. Mm-hmm. Does not have to be marriage. Does yeah, not have yeah. to be the end goal. Yeah. Um, but the idea is that in that space, you feel empowered and in control. You are empowered and in control, and hopefully that has echoes in other areas of your life as mm-hmm. well. Um, anyway, so date in 2014, and then we developed BFF, as a friend-finding platform and biz as a networking platform. Mm -hmm. Um, Essentially with the same idea in mind that these relationships are as important as your romantic relationships Mm -hmm. and just as deserving of a safe space to create them. And um, they've been incredibly successful ways for women to kind of take control of those relationships Mm -hmm. and put themselves out there. We all need more friends and business contacts. Yeah, and there were not really any no. alternatives yeah. because there's just professional tools like LinkedIn, but LinkedIn is more about connecting people you've already met uh-huh. or, you know, making those cold calls, but it's not really a friendly space for networking and creating new contacts. Yeah. Um, not in the same way that 
the dating apps were working you know, yeah. up until that point. And I think the great thing about BFF and Biz as well, and Date, is that when you're in, when you're there, when you're on the platform, you're already in a place where everyone is there for the same reason. Exactly. You're not walking into a room yeah. at a party where everyone's in groups of people and it's hard to yeah. meet someone. Um, you're in a place where everyone is there to meet. Yes. So you so know their intentions. That's already for the off the table. Exactly. That that awkwardness and vulnerability yeah, the is already removed. gone. Yeah. And I think that is part of the like really empowering part of it is you can literally say like I'm here to make friends mm-hmm. and that's totally normal and fine and amazing actually because yeah. you're putting yourself out there for that. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the power of social media, but also mm-hmm. the um the dark side of social media because. And I think it's great that Bumble uh, has committed to creating these safe spaces for women to mm-hmm. connect, whether it's in a, a dating context or a BFF business, a more of a networking platform. Um, you spend time, and the coveters spend time mm-hmm. in publishing. Um, so we all know the importance that social media has today as a communications and marketing channel. Mm-hmm. But we also know the negative impact it can have on our mental health. And I think especially of younger women, um, you know, who maybe in their teenage years or early 20s, who yeah. have to deal with all of the pressure of how they need to look, how their lives need to look, what yeah. kind of image they need to be sending out on social platforms. So I'm curious to know how you approach that. And even from a personal mm-hmm. standpoint, how do you navigate the complicated world of social? It is complicated. It's like a- another life almost <laughs> that exists mm-hmm. for your, you kind of have to like curate it. I, I mean, I think, um, it's, it's something I like spend a lot of time thinking about. And also I worry that people get so caught up in it. I get caught up in it too. Um, I've like created rules for myself where I limit my time on, especially Instagram is like my vice. Mm-hmm. Um, as I'm sure it is for many people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always, um, when I look at that screen time, oh giving God, me the stats, frightening. it's like, that's the scariest tool that's ever been I know. Created. So I, I, I use that tool though to, uh, limit my, my screen time on Instagram specifically. And then I also have, I leave my phone in my kitchen at night. Mm-hmm. So it's not the first thing that I look at when I wake up in the morning, mm-hmm. but I also think it's important to remember that everyone's Instagram is a highlight reel. It's yes. not real life. No, exactly. And um, when you're sharing, it's probably because you're happy or excited or bored. Mm-hmm. And it's not because um, you're having a shitty day or you are at work for 12 hours or, you know, there's context to everything. And I've been told, like, sometimes I forget too. Like, I was just traveling and everyone knew that I was away and it's like Mm. oh yeah because I'm sharing this all the time like people think that they know what's happening in my life yeah and but you're probably not posting if you're hard at work and meetings from 8 a.m to 10 p.m you that's not on insta so then people just see the beautiful traveling pictures and glamorous outfits and exactly so if you think about your own life and what you're sharing other people are probably doing the same thing yeah it's perspective. I think for young women, it's probably really hard. Yeah. And we work with um, a lot of younger people at our office and 
on social media, frankly, because yeah. there's a power there. But I think there's also a ton of pressure. I can't imagine having Instagram when I was in high school. That's it. I'm glad that I lived through my teenage years without <sighs> Facebook already. or Instagram existing. I know. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think... I don't know what that education looks like, but I think, like, internet literacy, essentially... That needs to be taught in school. 100%. And those are the soft skills that you need to acquire as a young person, because you need to learn how to navigate that world. And understanding, I mean, we, again, the accountability thing of treating people on the internet like they're people, and not, like, you know, not being an anonymous troll... Mm -hmm is part of what we're trying to do at Bumble, but yeah. elsewhere on the internet, that doesn't exist. Yeah. So, you know, cyberbullying is real. Comments on Instagram can be nasty, yeah. and I think people are susceptible to that. Obviously, when you're in a social world, at, in high school, for example, when everything, it's like a life-or-death situation mm-hmm. in your social life. Oh, my life. God, that's it. It like, can be the end of like, life. What a what the microcosm of high school was and then expand that to the internet and that's terrifying so I think having that somehow parents and I'm not a parent but parents and teachers that's like the important lesson to learn Mm -hmm. as a kid Mm -hmm. is how to navigate those worlds which can be really and also put things in perspective too like just the way that you're saying you put your phone away at night and you try to limit screen time I think it's important for young women as well to live in the real world and it's really easy to get absorbed and then just get drawn into the world of Instagram that fairytale life yeah and then forget that you can go out in real life and make friends and have a real social life exactly I think the um, things that make us happy more and more I'm finding the things that make me happy in my life are interacting with people that I like, love, care about Mm -hmm. in real life. Mm -hmm. Um, And those experiences are the things you're going to remember. You're not going to remember what you saw on Instagram Mm -hmm. or videos that you watched. And emphasizing that genuine connection is so important. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how that, like... Our end goal, obviously, is to connect people in real life. I think Bumble should be thought of, and any of these social networking apps, honestly, should be thought of as a tool. Yeah. Yes. And, like, a conduit to those real-life connections. Mm -hmm. I think the internet can be an amazing place if you feel isolated or the people in your life are not the people that you want to be around as, like, a teen. Mm -hmm. Even when I was a teenager, like, finding, like... Other people who liked fashion on chat rooms right. and stuff was, like, yeah. an amazing thing. Like, world <laughs> opening. But but also knowing that, like, those real-life connections at the end of the day are what is going to make yeah. you feel fulfilled. Yes. Um, going back to Bumble a little bit, and you're talking about those authentic connections. Have you been tracking, has the organization been tracking... Uh, kind of the impact that an app like Bumble is having in dating dynamics. That's so, so interesting. That whole process of women asking the men out, because those are conventional rules that have been in place and it kind of ingrained mm-hmm. in our lives for a very long time. So it's hard to break that pattern. So it, that's interesting you ask that because when I know that when Whitney launched Bumble, she was told by multiple people that it wouldn't work mm-hmm. because of this flip. Um, but we just celebrated the fact that 
one billion first moves have been made on Bumble since it launched. Incredible. Congratulations. Which means like women have have made a first move a billion times around the world. So, I mean, we thought it couldn't happen. Women are doing it, which like kudos because that's an amazing feat. Yeah. Um, And at the end of the day, like we are facilitating this. But it's women who are doing it. Mm-hmm. It's not. You just gave them. We permission. gave them essentially the platform on which this is okay. Mm-hmm. The idea being that hopefully they will not need this platform to say like this is okay. Mm-hmm. That we'll all feel empowered to just take control of the things that we want to take control of. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, men will feel empowered to not have to all yeah. the time, not yeah. be the ones. So I think, I mean, yes, it's changed things. I still think, I mean, if you look around in the world, there's still a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope that when it comes to flipping norms and equality, that we can, we've like made a small dent and we'll continue mm-hmm. to do so. Mm-hmm. You talked about feminism, and you talked about your personal interests being being a great fit for mm-hmm. your role at Bumble. What's your definition of a feminist in twenty nineteen? I mean, it just that you believe in equality um, across all intersections, mm-hmm. women, men, non-binary genders. It's not like any kind of better than or women deserve more rights or anything it's mm-hmm. simply like equality mm-hmm. of the sexes mm-hmm. i think like everyone should be a feminist very true statement there's no reason why not to if you mm-hmm. believe that women are humans yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> and then going to balance so we talked about mm-hmm some things you do in regards to screen time and social, Mm -hmm. but how do you obviously, you know, have a busy lifestyle and the type of work you do is not a nine to five situation. Mm -hmm. How do you find balance in your daily life? How do you stay grounded? What do you need to do to stay grounded? It's a good question. Balance is, I feel like a never, it's like kind of like the never ending battle. (laughs) It's definitely the goal, Mm -hmm. whatever it means. I'm not quite sure, but, um, I think, for me, and I mean, I'm, I'm someone who doesn't have, like, outside of my own work and immediate intimate relationships, I don't have, like, a ton of, I don't have children, I don't have sick parents, I don't have um, things that I need to be, like, taking care of immediately other than, like, a dog. I mean, that's responsibility. But it's, I think try to think of it as shifting priorities Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. sometimes work is oftentimes work is my priority and that means like I have to get shit done and be present and be available to my team or partners or whoever it is it's there's always a lot going on so that is often the priority which is fine Mm -hmm. like I'm happy to do that and that's fulfilling to me because mm-hmm. it's fulfilling work. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes my part, and I try to like, I try to make weekends as much about my personal life as possible. Right. Because often like weeknights disappear and you mm-hmm. know, 
So yeah, <laughs> yeah. somehow you're in yeah. the office until seven, yeah. and then and then you're still thinking about yeah. it when you go home, and it, which is fine. But I try to make um, weekends as much as possible about uh, my own personal life, mm-hmm. focus on the relationships that are important to me, including friendships, my family. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the things, honestly, that keep me grounded. It's like the people who have known me long before I was even a working person who I feel like keep me grounded the most, mm-hmm. just like remembering perspective and what's important. Because mm-hmm. I often, I don't know if you feel like this, I was talking about this with someone yesterday, that in this world of social media and like girl boss kind of mentality, that we're often our identity is tied to our fully our job. Absolutely. And which to an extent is quite empowering because mm-hmm. it opens up worlds and I got to talk to amazing people like you and have incredible experiences, but it's also like can be isolating or lonely mm-hmm. and it's so amazing to have people who are outside of that realm as yes. well. Yeah. And who know you just as a person. And instead get, of like Bumble Canada. Lady, exactly. You know? Yeah. And and I went through that after being associated yes. to a brand for yes. so many years. And after a point, I realized it had become way too much part of my identity, and I was still my own person outside of the role. Mm-hmm. So I think keeping that in perspective yeah, does, that's also part, does wonders for your self-confidence. Right. Because, you know, a job you can quit, a job you can lose, the, you know, that's it's true. who are you if you leave that environment, that brand, that company that you're attached to. Yeah. So I think, like, keeping that in perspective when it comes to balance is really important. Mm. Mm-hmm. Just remembering, like, oh yeah, I'm this person. Yeah. There's <laughs> so it's many things, yeah. many multifaceted things. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And how do you try to, as as a leader of the Bumble team in Canada, mm-hmm. how do you try to give that balance or that you know give the opportunity and the space for your staff to also find balance in their lives? Yeah. Because I think leaders and as managers, we often set the example for our teams. And, totally and we definitely give them the tools to either empower them to be able to find balance or we can easily send them in the wrong direction as well. I totally agree. I think part of it, I mean, I have a very small team. We're very entrepreneurial, independent. We are hustling all the time. <laughs> so part of it is, and I'm very lucky in that my team is like this, but I trust them. And we work relatively independently, so they are, have their um, projects, and we collaborate constantly, but they also have ownership over their own work, Fantastic. which I think yeah. is so important when it comes to feeling like you're in control of your yeah. work. Yeah. Uh, it's something I really value. Um, and then the other thing is just respecting off hours. Um, it's really hard in the world of Slack and email and, but it's something that we actually talk about a fair amount as a Canadian team is that, you know, when you email someone, you're crossing off your to-do list that you emailed them, but you're putting it on theirs. Yeah, it's true. So thinking about like, okay, like, especially within our company, not as much externally, but 
um, if I'm emailing someone at midnight, what is that doing to them mm-hmm. if they're on their phone or if I'm slacking them? Mm-hmm. Um, so just like thinking about those things, about urgency mm-hmm. in a in a perspective way, it's not always possible. Yeah. And I think the thing is, if it, if your team is passionate then we'll get behind, you'll get behind urgency when it's needed, but also remembering when things aren't necessarily urgent and having that perspective. Like, for example, this weekend, three of us are going to Calgary. We're going to be working through the weekend. It's going to be really fun, but it's going to be a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully next, the following week, like, we'll all be able to take some time, like a day or two to just recalibrate. Right. So, so you're just, mindful of yeah. that as well. Yeah. Giving your employees uh, some downtime when they've so important. worked a little harder than you. Yeah. Time. It's mm-hmm. important. Just like respecting that people work better when they can be mindful mm-hmm. about it and not necessarily like always on. Yeah. Yeah. And that's wise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is there a book that you've read at some point in your oh life gosh. that you find yourself coming back to or something that really marked either your career path or, or maybe it's a more personal journey? Um, that I come, well, when I, I'm a huge reader, I read a lot. Uh, and I think that it's like a really important part of my life in terms of like, we're in a meditation studio, but it's kind of like my meditation. It's Mm -hmm. like the time that I take when I'm not thinking about everything else that's going on. Um, so I think that that part of my life started with my mom reading me the entire Anne of Green Gables series mm-hmm. when I was like eight. I was a huge Anne of Green yeah. Gables fan. And all of actually Lucy Vaughn Montgomery's mm-hmm. books have been really influential on me, partly because their protagonists are all women mm-hmm. and extremely brave and mm-hmm. um, courageous, but... So those have been influential. That's just what I think of when I think about, like, my life as, like, a consumer of media and a reader. Um, Otherwise, I mean, I just read a book by Fran Hauser, who is a former media exec and now an angel investor, and she wrote a book called The Myth of the Nice Girl Mm, about how nice women can't necessarily be leaders yeah it's incredibly relevant mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I haven't read it, it but I should read it I heard a lot about it and yeah it sounds really we actually had her up for an event with Indigo last week she's an incredible inspiring super nice in a good mm-hmm. way woman um which is inspiring to see incredibly successful too so I think um that just as a recent example of a book where it's just it's uh helpful to read these things that are outside of the norm of Mm. typical leadership yeah yeah is there a quote or a saying that you find yourself repeating over and over maybe to your team or just to yourself the thing that i say to myself over and over is perspective is everything Mm -hmm. it just like helps me i don't think it's a quote I don't know how I glommed onto it, but... uh saying. Yeah, it, it just reminds me that, like, I shouldn't... I'm, like, a warrior by nature, and that... And it takes up... I'm of the opinion that it takes up too much headspace. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
So just reminding myself that, like, if it's not going to matter in five years, like, I shouldn't be worrying about it. Don't sweat the small stuff. Mm-hmm. If you, if we fast forward in time, so 15 years from today, looking back, what's the one thing you'll be the most proud of, you think? Um, I think, I mean, I do honestly feel really proud about creating community for women. Mm-hmm. Um, you came to one of our events and we do so many of these kind of real life um, examples of what can happen on the app. Mm-hmm. And it's so inspiring to see women who don't know each other come together under a common goal, whether that's meeting each other for professional mm-hmm. reasons or coming together in friendship to like do a yoga class. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I really wanted when I moved back to Toronto was communities of women who were similarly passionate and ambitious. Mm-hmm. And it's really exciting to see that come together under Bumble. So mm-hmm. I feel like that is the thing. Just like groups of women are a really powerful thing. Did you notice a difference? You spent time living in New York, coming back to Toronto. Mm-hmm. Was there, and I've been having that conversation with a few people who kind of work and live between the U.S. and Canada, did you find that there was a difference in how networking was approached? Mm, that's interesting. And kind of community building? Yes, in some ways. When I moved to New York, I had already been working for Cavatour for two years. Mm-hmm. So I had been emailing with some of the people that I was working with tangentially for two years. Right. And then I moved to New York, and I was in the city where a lot of them lived. And I've never, in Toronto, I found before that it was rare that someone would just, like, ask me for coffee Mm. to, like, meet and chat and see what we can do for each other. Whereas in New York, that's, like, part of your everyday. I was meeting with people, like, there were three different coffee dates a day. I was having that exact same conversation with someone last night uh, who actually works in the cannabis industry. And oh, she yeah. Said, it's a world of difference. In the U.S., it's like networking is ingrained 100%. in no matter the industry you work in. Yeah. And somehow Canada or Toronto, mm-hmm. you know, there's we're, we're kind of slower to adopt that. Yeah. And Otherwise, I, I feel like it, it, it's finally changing. I Maybe agree. it's the U.S. influence, but... I agree. I also think, like, when because I kind of, like, got used to that in New York, uh, like, going for drinks with people after work, not necessarily with a goal in mind, mm-hmm. but because, so that we could be contacts and be, like, acquaintances yeah. and ask for favors. And, Support each other yeah, and help each other grow. That's so powerful. Yeah. That's, like, literally what New York is, is, like, a hub of that energy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've tried, now I don't think of that as, like, uh annoyance or anything I think of it as an opportunity to like meet someone for a drink mm-hmm. I, I do it myself all the time I yeah. ask people it's so and I enjoy when I'm on the receiving end yes. I like when somebody yes. asks me for just a coffee date 100%. and you know can we meet and talk about this it's so and it's part of especially if you have as so many people do these days multiple things going on professionally mm-hmm. I think the more you can meet and talk the better it is. I do think Toronto's um, kind of desire for these communities has grown right, a lot. Like right. I've seen beyond Bumble, 
so many examples of like women's groups being formed, yes. conferences, yes. Um, networking hours, yeah. dinners, like all sorts of things like yeah. that, which is awesome. I think that's great. And I think that demonstrates the appetite that women 100%. have to, you know, have these platforms where you can network. I hope that it expands so that like men are also interested. I think they mm-hmm. are. It's just like... Uh, the ones I've been exposed to are predominantly for women. Yeah, but I think men have been doing it kind of naturally. Yes, that's for true. They don't even think that it's only men. Yeah, so I think we <laughs> had to true. create our own platform mm-hmm. because it didn't happen organically. Yeah, that's true. And now the balance is kind of being restored. It's true. Like I, guys will get together and watch the hockey game or whatever, true. and you know, and you know, we talk about the boys' club, but men who work in an office together will be meeting yeah. socially as well, whereas women. We always have something better to do, right? Going home to the kids or, right. um, you know, whatever responsibilities mm-hmm. outside of work are. That's so true. Yeah. I And opening the doors beyond, like, golf games and stuff mm-hmm. to what I'd say, all of, yeah, is really Traditionally, important. activities were also very male-driven. Oh, so all of the network, you know, I remember being a member of, like, the Junior Chamber of Commerce and things like that earlier right. in my career. But all the activities were modeled after what men wanted to I do. Know. <laughs> I'm I know. not interested so in a golf tournament. That's actually really interesting because I do think that's something that's changing really, like, way slower than it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, even, like, models of, like, how, like, y- we see all these tech companies who are, like, creating amazing, like, perks for their employees mm-hmm. as employment benefits and so many of them are built on like what traditionally men yeah, want absolutely. like having like ping pong tables and beer in the beer office and yeah all mm-hmm. that stuff so yeah. actually bumble's headquarters in austin i wish we had an office like this in toronto we're working on it <laughs> but has like we have a glam room and we have you know kombucha on tap and I love that <laughs> cold brew and it's very much like it's a company built by women yeah but women. but I mean it's also thoughtful about like inclusivity and making sure that you know there's something for everyone exactly yeah 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 so, that's really smart yeah mm, kombucha on tap I know right? <laughs> so nice <laughs> And my last question today, what do you wish women would do more of? Uh, I wish that we would celebrate ourselves a little bit more. I don't know if this is, I think this is partly a Canadian thing. Um, maybe, but I think often women will not speak up or talk about their own accomplishments unless they are like 100% confident that it was a win mm-hmm. or that they are qualified. Mm-hmm. And so often men will do that without, you know, having even, like, necessarily accomplished the goal they'll say they have. And they'll say they were 100% responsible for something when they only, like, helped. Whereas, like, I'll say, oh, I helped um, Bumble grow from this number to this number instead of saying, like, I did that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So I wish that we would take kind of responsibility for our own wins Mm -hmm. I think it's so important it's Mm -hmm. like part of platforming ourselves and others like I try to do it with my team as much as possible too and it's reprogramming the way we think because we should be owning those wins a hundred percent so important it's it's something like that does not come naturally to me but that I wish I did more I'm trying to do more and I wish everyone did more Mm -hmm. it's not bragging it's like 
owning it. Yeah. No, no, it's a fair assessment of the situation. Exactly. But we're too humble. We're too humble. Mm. It's good and bad. I don't know. But yeah, I think owning it is really important. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Emily, for speaking to me today. And good luck with all of the projects coming up at Bumble. It's super exciting to watch what the company's doing. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a thrill to talk about all this stuff. If you like today's show, as always, please subscribe, rate, and give us a review. It really makes a difference. I would also love to continue the conversation with you on social media. So please visit The Brand is Female on Instagram or Facebook. I'll be back in a week with a new guest. Thank you so much for listening to The Brand is Female. Thank you.